Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Hello, forthright women. This episode you're about to hear originally aired on our other podcast, Marketing Smarts. We thought this community would appreciate it too, as it contains rich and relevant insights to help keep all of you female leaders successful and sane. So let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to leverage email marketing as part of your marketing stack. Now, email marketing tends to be a very popular channel for businesses, but generally for sometimes the wrong reasons. And that seems super easy because it can be automated. So people feel relieved that they can just kind of put a check mark next to that and put it in place and then forget it. But savvy marketers, like the ones that we want you guys to be, maximize this channel effectively in order to design and execute with a specific objective in mind. And then they continue to test and learn in order to optimize its effectiveness. Yes. And we want you to hear us say that this doesn't necessarily mean it has to be overly complicated or time intensive. In fact, having a level of automation is super smart. It'll save you time. It'll save you effort. It'll keep things running really smoothly. But just like we talk about with bots in other episodes, it needs to be a value or it can be more detrimental, honestly, than it can be helpful. So this episode is going to be more tactical in nature. It's going to assume you've done the due diligence in developing your marketing campaign, like understanding your target as well as where and when and how to reach them, which has then led you to email marketing as a specific channel that you feel like is going to be highly relevant and helpful. If you've not done this, please go back and listen to episode 41, Stimulating Your Business Growth, The Art of the Marketing Campaign. And please start there to ensure that you're thinking about this in the right way, because as we said, it's going to be more tactical in nature for you to use this channel effectively. Yes. And today we have a fabulous guest who is an expert on email marketing that's going to be with us today to help bring a lot of life to this topic. And that is Kelsey Johnson. She's the product marketing manager at AWeber. And she is here to talk to us about this very important topic. So hi, Kelsey, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. It's so great to be on the podcast today. I'm really passionate about this topic, and so I'm really excited to bring some tips and advice and sort of demystify it um, in general for anyone at any level at any point in their journey, whether small business owner or, you know, working as a marketer in a bigger company or anything like that. Um, I am the product marketing manager at AWeber, which is an integrated and easy to use email marketing tool for sort of more of the small and medium sized businesses. But personally, I also have a decade of experience creating marketing campaigns, including email marketing for small businesses on the agency side and in-house. And passionately, my personal personality when it comes to this stuff is like demystifying technology and automation and sort of circumnavigating the gatekeeping that can often happen around marketing and technology so anyone in any size business or part of their career can improve and learn. Well, that's awesome. That's the same language we talk about, too. This whole podcast is all dedicated to demystifying marketing topics and really making them tangible so people can put them into action today. So I think we're going to have a really fantastic episode. So awesome. Okay, so let's jump into how to effectively leverage email marketing. So the first 
thing that you need to do is define the role of email marketing. So email marketing generally plays one of three roles within a marketing stack. So it can promote lead generation, it can help usher people down the purchase funnel, and it can serve as brand building. Now, these aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but they tend to rely on different formats, frequencies, processes, and tone. So it's really important to first land on where your primary objective is for your email marketing so you can develop your email marketing campaign around that. So let me dig into these a little bit so you guys can have an understanding of where you might fit. So let's talk about lead generation first. So lead generation is highly promotional in nature. So they tend to contain like the latest offers, latest deals, sometimes access to other lead gen mechanisms. This is generally what you get when you sign up for like a quote unquote newsletter on somebody's website or you sign up to get the quote unquote latest news. So these are the ones that kind of start filling your email inbox on some sort of regular interval. Now, the objective here that these folks have is to get you to engage in the platform and ultimately to buy something and generally to buy something quickly. So many people also refer to these as drip campaigns. So if you've heard that term, this is what the intent is. So what these are intended to do is they're intended to be more of like email blasts. So they're sent to everyone on an email list. And like I said, they do it at some sort of frequency they determine that is relevant to their consumer funnel. Now... What those tend to do, though, is be a little bit more general for a general population. Now, when you're trying to usher people down the purchase funnel, which is a second goal of email marketing, it usually happens in one of two circumstances. Either like somebody might contact you and that triggers some sort of communication back, or you've designated them meeting as a certain milestone in your progression down your purchase funnel, and you're trying to get them to stay in that funnel. So a lot of times this is where people use those automated systems because they tend to be able to get those people to go down the funnel at a little bit more of efficient rate than you having to invest your personal time all the time and being having to, to contact them. Now, these are meant to be a little bit more personal. So the intent is to make sure that they are authentic. They feel like they're actually written from a human, even though they may be an automated response. So for example, if you already have a lead, you may set up a regularly scheduled and pre-written emails to send out at certain time points to give like helpful tips or reminders. And maybe these reminders are to contact you to set up a meeting, for example. But you know, sometimes it takes like maybe three to four engagements before somebody's ready. So you might send them like little teasers in order to get them in. Or maybe you already have done business for somebody and you want to continue to send them reminders to remind them like what else you could do for them. So you might send them at other equal intervals after you're done with business, doing business with them in order to keep them in your funnel and try to entice them into more business. Now, the third is brand building. And this leans to more of a traditional newsletter format. So this is curated content that comes from you that helps to build your credibility and reputation. They can take on many forms, but the objective is generally to build thought leadership. The goal is not always your traditional lead gen, though. So sometimes it's getting more followers. So as an example, um, Tim Ferriss does a five bullet Friday every week. Now, he doesn't do that with the intent that he's going to generate leads that are going to contact him. He actually doesn't want you to go do that. He (laughs) wants you to buy his book. He wants you to follow his podcast. He wants you to do other things that he's monetized in order to build his business. So no matter what avenue you pick, what is consistent, and you're going to hear us say this a lot today, is that you must offer value and you must offer a clear call to action. 
ideally with something as mechanical as like a click button or a link that somebody can then translate very quickly from your email, whatever that looks like, into something that you want them to go do and close and take action on. So Kelsey, I'd love to hear some of the examples and perspectives and tips you have for how to have somebody really define their the role of their email marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that anybody who just listened to you cover uh, even the basics of email marketing is probably fairly overwhelmed and intimidated by yeah, all of the options. <laughs> right? like, I thought this was supposed to be easy. You told me this was supposed to be <laughs> easy. Like, oh, and you just oh, laid great. it on me on the first point. <laughs> and like it with anything in marketing, uh, the better you do it, the harder it is. But when you actually receive the emails, it's less noticeable. And so I have a prioritization that I always recommend for people. And I say, start with the automated ones. Mm. So we're talking about an automated welcome campaign, right? The person signs up for your, either your email list initially, or, you know, if you've got a little bit more of um, sophisticated system set up, maybe they hit a landing page or something triggers and they're getting an automated email. And there's two reasons I tell people to start with that. And the first one is it's automated. So if you're busy, which literally everybody is, Mm -hmm. everybody who has a job is busy and, you know, even everybody else is too. So you can sort of spend some time setting it up. You can work on it one time, but it will continuously go out and you can have these emails going out and starting to nurture and touch base with your prospects and your customers all of the time with just that initial work put into it. But the second reason is that you have the most attention from your audience the first time they engage with you Mm -hmm. or when they hit one of those trigger points. Um, The average open rate for a welcome email is 50% versus the average open rate of 20% for all the other emails. So we are talking like two and a half times as much attention. And it makes sense. That's the time that the person is like excited enough about your company, about your business, about your newsletter, whatever it is that you are offering that you have their attention. And so that's when you really want to get in front of them. Obviously you can't just sit by your email and email out everybody manually. So setting up these automated processes can help you get into the inbox, get the attention, create that call to action um, and get more people doing it at the moment that they're paying the most attention to you. Um, And then the second thing I would say to do is uh, the newsletter. Um, It's something that you can do on a sort of even cadence, and it's also a really great way for you to, first of all, keep in touch, but also to gauge interest, to learn messaging, you know, figure out what it is that Mm -hmm. are the actual pain points of your prospects are your customers. You try one newsletter, not that many people are into it. You try one the next week or next month or whenever you get to it, and way more people engage with that one and are excited about it. And you can sort of figure out how to sell better using the newsletters. Um, And then ushering people down the purchase funnel, um, you know, you can start to sort of optimize. And we'll talk a little bit more about like optimizing and testing and stuff like that um, as things go on. But um, I, you know, I always recommend just starting with those automated ones and then expanding out from there. And don't forget in the long run, the point of email is to sell. I talk to so many of our customers who are like, well, open rates and click rates. Again, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, those one-off sales emails, those one-off promo e- emails, the emails where you're pushing people to make that purchase, those are things that you need to be doing consistently throughout your entire process because that's how your company is successful. 
Well, and I think we chuckle because that's always one of the things we talk about, right? One of those trigger things for people is those metrics and getting too involved and what that looks like versus what is the end goal and what are we actually delivering on. Um, But I think what you said about using the automation, I feel like it's really smart for a couple of reasons. So one, it helps you to build an intentional strategy versus sending knee-jerk stuff off when you Mm -hmm. realize you're out of time or you didn't get to it or, oh, shoot, that was supposed to go out and it didn't. And then you focus more on the logistics versus the overall reasons that you're doing it. And then in addition, I think it helps you. And you already said, you know, we're going to talk about optimization in a little bit. But I think it can help you iron out the timing that actually works based on those responses that you're getting. And so how you might want to change it up if you feel like, oh, maybe that was too long and that's why we didn't get a response or maybe that was too much and they felt like we were spamming them. But it builds intentionality throughout and takes some of the pressure off of the actual delivery because you know the system's going to do that once you've decided on things like the overall strategy and the cadence. Yeah, and you know when you're defining your strategy for email in general, you have to think about it's it's very difficult to talk about this so generally because there are B2B businesses where it can take a year or more uh, after somebody has awareness of your business Mm -hmm. before they make that sale, before they make that purchase. But then on the flip side, you know, if you've got a uh, B2C business, if you're selling a product, somebody might buy that day. Yep. And so, you know, taking that into consideration, I think the welcome email is always necessary, but taking that into consideration and trying to figure out how to, no matter where you're at, how to shorten that time frame, how to make that sale faster. Yeah, I think those are really good points. And the two things I'll highlight that um, really struck a chord for me was one, in the consistency that automated provides, because we talk about all the time, April, right, that you know, the brand tone is so important. Yep. And if you have several people who are speaking on behalf of the brand, you know, one way of making sure it is consistent is by automating it and setting it in a voice that you know is the brand. So it takes a little bit of the, I, I'm going to sound like I'm speaking on both sides of my mouth, but it takes a little bit of the human factor out of it that could compromise on the brand tone. But the intent is always to make sure the emails feel human. So don't hear me in saying that I'm telling you to, you know, not sound human. But also, Kelsey, I think you also raised a really good point. Another point we talk about a lot of times, too, and and we feel it as well, being an agency, is that you only usually hire like one branding and marketing agency on a year, two year basis. And so it is really important to stay top of mind to some respect in order to be able to be in that funnel and be in that mind space when that choice does come up again, right? But you're right. It's not necessarily like, hey, I'm going to buy this today. So um, both can serve, well, email marketing can serve both objectives very, very well uh, in order to continue to um, be present. So I liked the points that you guys made. So the second part of leveraging email marketing effectively is to choose a platform. Now, based on the objective you've defined, you need to choose a platform of which to host your email marketing. And this stumps a lot of people because there are a lot of choices out there. And I am not even going to profess to even be somewhat knowledgeable (laughs) on all the choices. I am just going to turn this one over to Kelsey. And Kelsey, I'm going to let you educate on all the choices and how you suggest people navigate through to find which one is the right one for them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 
with any software or basically anything you buy, uh, you're going to have a lot of these like sort of things that the people who are selling it find exciting features, tiny little, you know, you can do this or that. Um, and I recommend not getting caught up in that because like <laughs> you said, you really are just using this to make more money and you don't care about these tiny, little, oh, it does this tiny little thing or it integrates with this, like, don't worry about that. So I'll, I'll get you started with like a pretty quick checklist on, on what to do. The first one is it fits within your budget. If you've got a kind of uh, tight budget for marketing, uh, make sure that you're choosing something in the realm of uh, what you can afford. Now, email marketing is one of the sort of easiest things to spend money on um, because it's so much less expensive than ads or anything else like that. Such a great return on investment as long as you're doing it right. Um, but, you know, pay attention to your budget there. Mm -hmm. And then going along with that, make sure that it has the functionality and features that you need, but not too many more, right? Don't use a platform that's super robust that has um, lead scoring and um, all these integrated systems and all of like needs to be set up from scratch in a customized way if you're a small business or a medium-sized business and there's no way that you need all of that stuff and you can get what you need from a far more simplified platform. So um, those are the first two. Uh, the third one is it's easy to learn. Uh, most mm -hmm. email marketing mm -hmm. platforms will give you a free version. And if you can hop in there and figure out how to send an email uh, within, you know, your first 10 minutes or five minutes, then that means it's probably going to be an easy platform for you to figure out all of the other things that it does. So I highly recommend, you know, if it's got a free version, just sign up, sign up, try it out, see if you like it. Um, the fourth thing I think you should pay attention to is that you get the support that you need. Now, uh, with some platforms, that means a entire course that you can literally purchase mm. and learn to use it, which is kind of essential for some of these bigger, more complicated platforms. But for some, you know, one of the platforms that are targeted towards the smaller business, towards medium-sized business, where you might not necessarily have a team working on it or even an agency, but you're trying to do it yourself, make sure that you get good support like real people mm -hmm. actually available 24 seven who can help you with like, I don't want to read an entire document to figure out how to put this button over there <laughs> sort of a thing. <laughs> um, and then also certified experts, you know, if you can find a, um, a Facebook group or there's actually like a page set up where you can find somebody who's already certified and knows how to use the platform and you can hire them at an affordable price. Um, this, uh, my next one, which I think is really, really important, even though it's fifth down on my list is that it integrates with your current tools. Yeah. Um, nobody needs to spend, waste any of their time copying and pasting, downloading and uploading that. I hate that. <laughs> I think that <laughs> we are now in a place where it literally doesn't matter who you are, what type of business you work for, you can find tools that integrate with each other. So make sure that, you know, if you are collecting people from a form on your site, they can automatically go into your email tool, or even it can connect to your CRM platform so that if you have communications with that customer, you also know what emails they're getting. Mm -hmm. um, and then just a couple of features um, on a more practical sense, make sure that the, there's email automation that's easy to set up. We just talked about how important email automation is, those welcome campaigns, drip campaigns, but some of those can be really complicated to try to even figure out how to set up. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the 
if you're getting into that freemium version, go in and, and make sure that you can get that set up easily and it makes sense to you. Um, and also just kind of an essential, which I think most platforms have these days, but is a landing page builder. That's it's kind of something you should expect from an email marketing platform at this point. And it means you don't have to pay for a separate landing page builder. So obviously as an AWeber representative, I think for small or medium-sized businesses, I recommend AWeber. Um, <laughs> shameless plug, we like it. <laughs> shameless plug, yes, of course. <laughs> um, but for more enterprise, um, I like Marketo. Mm. Um, I think it has a lot of those similar things too. It's a little bit more complicated, but you know, uh, we we understand that AWeber isn't for everyone, especially on that more enterprise side. And I'm a big fan of Marketo. Awesome. Well, and I think you said some really important things there and to the point of this episode of really breaking it down and making it approachable for people. I love the point about, and this is my interpretation, getting overly excited about the features and benefits Yeah, <laughs> because this is something we caution our clients against for a variety of different initiatives around, you know, just do what you can do right now. And that leads to the second point that I really liked of making sure that you pick something that's easy and that you can try out and feel comfortable that you're going to be able to do this. And I think this is one of the reasons that, you know, we talked about demystifying in the beginning, that this is such a hard thing for people to get into and then do it well, because there are so many options. And then there's so many different things once you sign up with someone and what do you really need to do in order to do it right? And I think taking the simple option and making sure that whoever's going to use it can do it easily is really important. And this isn't one of the places where you think, well, we might get to that at some point. So I'm going to go ahead and sign up for all the shiny stuff when really, I think to your point, Kelsey, most people don't need that. So just take a real look at where you are and think about it through that lens versus the latest and greatest. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a point that I want to make here, which is there. There are a couple of things in email that are really hard. And the first one is design. And the second mm -hmm. one is writing, which we're going to talk about in a minute. The tech shouldn't be hard. Mm -hmm. Now, as with any tech, there will be a learning curve. But if the tech is hard, you don't need that. Find, find technology that you can learn to use easily so that you can focus more on making the copy better and making the design better. Yeah, I think that's a really, really fantastic piece of advice. And this is coming from somebody who's dabbled in MailChimp and got so frustrated <laughs> in the first like 15 minutes. Like I could not figure out why our email list was not transporting directly into MailChimp. And I just finally gave up and I Googled it and found out I had to actually have another piece that actually transferred. I'm like, so I need to pay for two things now. I mean, so I love that your checklist. I thought your checklist was right on. And I think, you know, some of these tools, you know, that are very accessible are a great way to start maybe. But I think quickly you also need to understand that your time has value. And when you are going to commit to doing something well, you also need to think about who to in your checklist, Kelsey, about, you know, the support and, you know, the the um, the users like having expert users and, and all of these things really help facilitate a strong campaign and not just like, OK, again, like I said before, I checked the box. I'm here. All right. Great. Now what kind of thing? So um, I thought all those tips were were fantastic. I think that's it was very helpful to hear through that and give somebody a checklist in order to really have a format and a filter for for assessing that. 
So the third point of how to effectively leverage email marketing is to be intentional in terms of content, tone, and style. And anybody listening knows that we would have gone to this eventually. (laughs) Um, But just like any other marketing channel, your email marketing should reflect your brand, all right? But it's a little caveat. Because of the constant barrage of emails everyone gets, you have to assess how you're going to break through. This could be a very big challenge. You want your emails to be ones that people look forward to, and you want them to be the ones that they open. So here, we like to reflect upon the rules that we've given you for creating compelling content in a podcast episode we had a little bit a while ago, but they do uh, have uh, a lot of value here as well. And actually, preempted myself, the whole point of this is to be of value, right? In order to be of value, and whether your content have value, in order for your emails to have value, they must do one of four things. They have to either entertain, they have to inspire, they have to educate, or they have to offer must-have promotions. And many people will blend these styles together in order to have a little bit more of a relatable or human-like email, which is totally fine. But this also does something very fun for you guys. It helps give you a little bit of a license to let your personality come through. And if you're seeing these newsletter-like emails coming through, you'll see that they are trying very hard to put a lot of personality into them. Now, the thing is, is that you have to make sure that you're just proportionately adding value in order for yours to be at the top of the list that people want to look at. This means you need to audit your competition. Now, this may not be the competition that's actually in your industry. It's the competition that uh, your consumer, your customer, your target has uh, or is defined as being the people who are also or the brands or businesses that are also providing this content to them. And it may be totally outside of the industry. So the way that we like to help businesses really kind of drill down into what that they stand for in terms of their value is to finish this sentence from the point of view of your target. I always go to whatever the name of your business, your brand, your product is for fill in the blank, whatever this is. So, for example, for forthright people, it's I always go to forthright people to get clear, direct feedback about what it's the really, really so that I can take action today. And then once you declare it, you actually have to own it. And that is the point of how you develop your email marketing campaign. Regardless, you need to make sure that you are authentic and you are consistent. We've talked about both of those things today. This helps you build your community of individuals who will be looking forward to your content. And this is how you make sure you continue to keep those open rates higher, as Kelsey has talked about already before. So Kelsey, I love your thoughts on this. What what kind of advice do you give with regards to content, tone, and style? Yeah, so um, again, I'm going to sort of split this into two different um, categories. And the first is if you write your emails and it's also sort of your brand and your business and you're kind of a little guy or there's just a few of you and you get to sort of own all of your messaging internally, it's almost a little bit easier because you can just go from the cuff and, and sort of determine your own tone and style. Um, but if you're, if you're working on a team or if you're working with an agency, um, a lot of these stuff, the stuff that I'm going to talk about, you should work on um, both your brand, but also your positioning and your messaging, which is basically what you just laid out and make sure that you have that documented alongside your voice 
as a sort of guide Mm -hmm. for anybody who is going to be writing your emails, um, but also allow them to play around with it. Also allow them to sort of stretch this in one direction or another. Um, And the reason for that is email itself can actually give you a lot of feedback to how well your messaging and positioning is going. Mm. So if you're, you say, you know, somebody always comes to my business for this, uh, but that's actually not why they always come to your business. That might be something you can identify through email itself. Um, But yeah, getting started, the main thing and like the trend for right now, 2022 is talking like a human, Mm -hmm. being a real person, sounding like a real person, being funny, being authentic, being genuine. We have just gone through a huge surge of digital marketing, email marketing, all of this stuff that sort of sounded dry or sounded like it was an actual business somehow talking to you. But let's be honest, there is a person writing all of these emails, unless it's like an AI bot, which I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, (laughs) But for the most part, there's a person writing the emails and then there's a person reading them. So keep that in mind when you're writing it. You know, you are also a person. (laughs) Um, What kind of emails do you like to hear? What kind of voice do you like to hear? And how can you be more human and be more relatable in your emails talking to your customers? That said, also pay attention to whether you are your ideal customer type, right? If you have, um, and you guys talked about that in the podcast that you told everybody to reference, uh, stimulating your business business growth. You know, what is your target market? And if you are not that person, make sure that you are talking to your customers and talking to your people so that you can definitely identify what it is that resonates with them, what kind of messaging they want to hear, how they refer to themselves, what their pain points are, and sort of have that as a base point. But then from that base point, sound like a person. Don't sound like a weird bot. It's, it's, a, it's something that when we write emails as marketers or business owners or whoever we are, for some reason, everyone's fallen into this sense of like, well, I need to sound professional, but that it's just not what's resonating with people anymore. So, um, you know, try to talk like a human first. Um, and I've got a couple tips for that. The first one is to write in stream of consciousness and then edit it down. Um, writer's block is a huge thing, no matter Mm -hmm. what you're writing, but it's also particularly huge in email marketing because, you don't get to edit it afterwards, right? You don't get to send out your email and then be like, oh, wait, no, I wanted this word to be that word. Or, oh, I wanted to actually get rid of this section. And so people get intimidated by that. And so I say, you know, just write like you would write a text to your best friend or, you know, just get all of your thoughts down and then read through it and edit it and read through it and crop out sections. And even if you take out all of the words and put in new words. That's a Mitch Hedberg joke. (laughs) Um, Then that's okay. But at least you will have gotten started. Um, And you can sort of take a look at the email that you wrote and pay attention to the voice that it was in and be like, okay, I like this. It definitely needs some work, but at least I have something on the page now. Um, I also say uh, 
keep in mind that imperfections are okay. Uh, I've got a couple of fun examples. Um, one being HBO had an email go viral that was just an email that went out with nothing in it. And <laughs> it, it went viral because it was, then they sent out an email afterwards saying, um, you know, we have a new intern and they didn't know the systems yet. And um, so we apologize for the email we sent out. And then there was a whole Twitter thread of everybody being like, Dear intern, here was the problem I made early on in my career, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was like, it went totally viral and that's great. You know, that's totally fine. And um, even internally at AWeber, we've sent out emails that had mistakes in them and then sent out an apology email afterwards being like, we're so sorry we made this mistake or blah, blah, blah. And that secondary email gets opened way more than any of our other emails. Now, I'm not saying to be manipulative and do this so much because people will see through it. But my point is, don't be afraid of mistakes. You know, it's better to get sort of something out there and and work on that messaging and work on that tone and not to feel um, paralyzed by the fact that, well, I'm not good at this or I'm not a good writer or, you know, I don't know exactly how to say this in the right voice or something like that. You know, I mm -hmm. think it's important to, um, to everybody has a personality, get your personality on the page, start working through it and edit it and send it to your friends maybe, or your coworkers or um, your mom and say like, how does this sound? And be receptive to the fact that they're like, oh, that was kind of weird the way you said it. But then you can use that to sort of develop your tone and, and, develop the direction that you want to go in um use kind of corny jokes or <laughs> or if you like memes put memes in your emails yeah. like people <laughs> love memes or do you have a dog that you um one of my favorite examples of this is elizabeth warren uh has loves her dog and so when she was campaigning she sent out tons of emails from bailey right? <laughs> and that's just kind of her voice you know she's like a grandma and um so that was an example of like that's not this person's running for president right is there a more serious professional job than that no but it it was kind of fun and i'm sure those emails got opened a lot more than the other ones so don't be mm -hmm. afraid of trying out some of those different kinds of voices. And then the last point that I want to make is that I'm a writer um, and I am still struggle with this tons. I struggle with writing blog posts. I struggle with writing emails. I struggle with writing tweets. And so I understand how hard this can be and how intimidating it can be for some people, especially if they're not used to it. And, and in that case, put together that positioning we talked about, you know, my cust our customers come to us for this. This is how they refer to themselves. These are their mm -hmm. pain points. This is how we solve them. And don't be afraid to hire somebody else to write your emails for you if this is not your specialty and they can help you develop your voice. Well, and I really love all those points because it helps you get out of your own head. I think when you think about it in terms of this and also I'm so glad that you keep it real and you're so direct about all the things that not only you experience but people in general because as you were speaking I was like, "Yep, been there. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> been there." You know, but I think a couple of the really important things are 
you talked about documenting the voice at the very beginning, but then also allowing for stretch. And as the brand police, this is always one of the things that I address. But I do think that it is just so important. You know, we've talked about authenticity, and then this is all about getting over the hump of actually going and doing the writing. I think one of the places you can get caught up is very early on when you're trying to figure out your character. And so I think some of these exercises can be good. But then once you land on something, sharing that with others, but then encouraging them to interpret it within the quote unquote bounds of the personality is really good. Because I do think it doesn't always have to be so serious. It doesn't always have to be so professional. And when people come across authentic, I think a lot of times that trumps a lot of the other things here. And to your point about not being manipulative, of course, but I was thinking the other day and I was talking to one of our team members who was sending out our newsletter and was super nervous to do it. And I was going back in my head to the time <laughs> like, when I hit the go button. Yeah, I was like, just, go just hit it. And she's like, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like coaching her through, right? But it is a really very real thing. And I remember doing it for the first time and, you know, hitting that button and, the reality is things are going to happen, right? They're not all going to be delivered perfectly. There might be an imperfection in the email. But I think because we have so many different digital channels now and so many different things to manage, there is a little bit of grace allowed when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I think your point's really well taken of just get it out there or hit the go button, Laura. Geez, come on. <laughs> I know she'll hear this She's going to hate so. us for this. Yeah. <laughs> But there is a lot of angst associated with it. And I think as long as you can embrace the fact that it's not a perfect science, there's not one way to do it, just get started, put something out there, and then I'm preempting the the next point a little bit, but optimize and learn as you go, it's all going to be fine. So I love that list for that reason. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, the point is to stand out in the inbox. And the reason you need to stand out is because there's such a high volume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So even though it's it kind of feels permanent, it's totally not. Somebody's going to read your email and then it'll go down their inbox. And, you know, the best case scenario, they go back to that email. And so like, don't worry too much yeah. about those tiny little mistakes. Yeah. And I think what this requires is a level of vulnerability that a lot of people don't like to go to because it feels so it, they feel so exposed like they feel like if they can't be buttoned up you know the clear professional like that you have articulated in your in your list Kelsey then it's like then people might think I'm flawed or think mm -hmm. people might think you know that I'm not as good at what I do but there's an element of being real being human being vulnerable that drives that emotional connection that we talk so much about about that brand love connection that when you can actually connect with people on that level and you make them feel something not just like in the way that you deliver on your whatever your product or your service benefit is, but you make them feel something that's beyond that. That is where the tangible value really comes from. That's really what boosts your business and allows you to command higher prices. It allows you to attract more customers, clients, and uh, consumers. It allows you to scale more quickly. It allows you to generate more impact. So don't be afraid of going to that emotional place. That doesn't mean you get to throw up all over the page. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that in social, that those are not your your personal diaries, but it is a, an element of making sure that people see you as a human, that your, your business feels somewhat human because that makes you more relatable. So I love all that because I think that's a really good reminder of kind of that mindset shift that's needed in some respect in order to actually go there. 
So the final point of how to effectively leverage email marketing is to test and learn and optimize. And we've talked about this a little bit. So let me just put a fine point. Um, But, you know, like we said, I mean, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to need to try stuff out. You're going to have to kind of refine your tone. This is all part of actually doing marketing, right? So in email marketing isn't any different. So how do you know that you're kind of trending to where you need to go with this is your KPIs. <laughs> so this should not be any surprise. You need to set up KPIs that allow you to analyze whether or not you're reaching those objectives that you've actually set for yourself with the intent of doing an email marketing campaign. All right. But don't just pay attention to some of the specific ones. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But, you know, open rate, clicks, email list growth, those are all like very specific ones that, yes, you should be looking at. But look at the non-tangibles. These are really, really critical and really helping you assess if you're especially reaching that emotional connection point that's really going to help you scale. So, for example, are you closing more deals thanks to your email marketing campaign? You may need to ask people um, in order to understand this. This is not going to come in a KPI analytic. What are they choosing to click on is another good one. This could be a little bit of a KPI analytic, but it gives you really great insight to what content actually has value. And then are people replaying your email marketing back to you? This is like the example that Kelsey gave with the HBO piece. I mean, they played that back as something that was intently, you know, and maybe even circumstantially um, very human. And that probably drove some a level of infinity. So are people giving you unsolicited feedback but that, hey, this is working for us either by, you know, the fact it goes viral or just based on that, you know, the, the actual verbal feedback back to you. So there's a couple of areas that you're probably going to pay some special attention to when you test and learn. So one is cadence, and we talked about this a little bit, but there is no rule of thumb except to say that there's a fine line between being useful and being spammy, right? If the frequency is too high, you can really undermine and dilute your impact. If somebody's only opening one out of every five emails, that's probably not conducive to driving any level of efficiency on your side. The frequency is too low, people can tend to forget about you. So you want to make sure that you continue to be top of mind. So maybe start with a weekly cadence. This is what me and April would say, but I'm going to ask Kelsey. She's the expert, so we'll see if what she has to say on this. <laughs> and then you could try dialing it up or down. Um, and then you also have to think about when's the best time to send it out. So if you're doing more of a business newsletter, you're not going to want to send it out over the weekend or on a Monday because all these business people are going to have a backlog of emails from the weekend and then starting up on Monday, you may not, it's probably going to get lost. So think about when's the best time based on where your consumer target uh, is going or your customer or your client is going to be the most receptive. So this is where you have to really think about that when and really nail that in. So Kelsey, this is kind of some of what we would suggest. So I'm interested in hearing if you have different thoughts on this and feel free to disagree. <laughs> we love debate. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it depends on where you're at in your journey with email with this. Uh, the first thing I would say is make sure that you have set up tracking as much as you possibly can. Now, this isn't always possible to be able to track a sale to your emails, mm -hmm. but you can set up, you know, tracking so that if you make sales on your website, you can track that back to a specific email. And um, that's something that I think sometimes people forget that they can do or never knew that they can do. So make sure that you can, in as much as you can track it, you're tracking it back to the emails. Um, when you, it comes to testing, uh, there's actually, you know, I talked, I know we talked about open rates a little bit earlier. There was an Apple update that made open rates a little bit 
worse for a metric to track um, what's successful and what's not. So you really do have to dig deeper into, you know, which, which emails are people clicking on, which emails are you making sales from and testing one against another one. Mm-hmm. Um, another point that I would make is if you have a huge list of subscribers, right? If you've got, well, not huge, even, you know, moderately large, I'd say like uh, 10 to 20,000 people, then you can do what's called a split test where you write the same email, but change one small thing, whether it's um, something in the subject line or the CTA, and you can really test what's working one against the other. But if you don't have a list that's big enough for you to test one against the one against the other within the email itself, you can actually test sending out one email and then sending out another email. And so, like you said, with the timing, you know, send out a pretty similar CTA email on a Tuesday Mm. and then the next time send it Mm. out on a Thursday and do that a few times so that you can really figure out for your audience what resonates, you know, what time are people opening emails? What time are people deciding to make sales? I'd say if you are a product um, uh, B2C product, I would send those emails on the weekends because mm-hmm. people are far more likely on a Saturday or Sunday to be maybe lying around in bed or, you know, have a little bit more time to be like, oh, okay, you know, now is the time for me to buy Christmas presents or my, you know, boyfriend did want that for his birthday or, yeah, I do need that for my kitchen. And um, so, so try that stuff out as well. Also, before you even start testing your own audience, uh, look it up. <laughs> there are a million <laughs> blog posts written about this. So look up, you know, when's the best time to send emails for B2B? I would say it's on Tuesday in between maybe like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. But I've also heard uh, people in B2B talk about how Friday at 4 p.m. can be a really good time because really? people still want to seem like they're working, but they don't want to do <laughs> any more work. Real work. Yeah, so they're just so they're just scrolling through their inboxes at that point. Um, I've also heard that like super super early in the morning can be a good time to send, like maybe even five a.m. or six a.m. because it's people who are up early trying to get through all of their emails before they get started on work. Um, you can be in the top of their inbox at that point. So there's an element of research, and then there's an element of testing as well. Um, And then, you know, keeping in mind that your audience, no matter who it is, um, can be different than other audiences. Um, There's also, you know, when you're testing, there is an element of uh, personalization that can go into it. We haven't really talked that much about personalization yet, but personalization is basically, you know, catering. If you have a big audience or even a medium-sized audience, um, there might be people who are busy during the week um, and then other people who aren't, or there might be people who are on the East coast versus um, in Europe or something like that. So trying to um, basically take your, don't think of your entire audience as one big chunk of people and just blast the same thing out to all of them, but learn some things about them, determine, you know, there might be a segment of your audience that's students and then a segment of your audience that are uh, business owners or business people. And you might want to send an email to a student maybe later in the morning, 
because right. they're not up this early. Mm-hmm. Um, but but keeping in mind those things where you you really think about the more specific way to target your audience and testing out those things as well. Um, unfortunately, I will say, you know, because you guys know by now I am all about practical tips. Unfortunately, there's no just like, oh, do this. And then that's the perfect testing. And then you'll figure out everything from that. You just right. have to, the The main point that I want to hammer in is to test every email. Always be thinking about those KPIs. You know, I want to be um, increasing my click rate. I want to be in- increasing brand awareness, or I want to see more of what I'm saying in my emails um, showing up on social channels and trying out different things and seeing which works better because that's how you'll, you know, meander your way to a more effective process. Yeah. And we always talk about it in terms Mm -hmm. of levers. So I think what you said is really smart about testing every single one, but then also the variables that can happen and that you should be paying attention to and listening to. And we haven't really talked about maturity of audience yet, here either. But I think that that's one of the important things too. And that is how you can kind of peel back the layers of the onion or whatever reference you want to make there is if you are paying close attention and you're intentionally trying out different things and then looking for those specific results, you can start to build practices that work for you. But then like you said, Kelsey, build in subsets of practices that work with the audience lens on there that then start to show you how you can cater. And we've talked a lot about value add here and the importance of that. But it starts to show an understanding to your audience of the maturation mm-hmm. <laughs> of the yeah. relationship because they're seeing the content be more and more applicable. Whether they're cluing into that and saying, oh, they're doing a good job of that, it's probably not the case, but more, oh, they're opening more and more because it becomes more highly relevant because we have these different tracks going to the different people and the messages that they want to see. Yeah. And I'd like to make a point that you don't have to have a uh, advanced email marketing team or a super sophisticated, uh, well-built out uh, business or process or even like an in-house marketer to be able to do this. You can, as a, as a literal small business owner where it's just you working, you can use a tool, an email marketing tool to create what we call segments, to create different groups whether it's, you know, a mature, you know, a mature audience, whether you can group people who have been receiving your emails for five years versus the people who just signed up for your list three months ago, you know, you can group together people based off of location or interests and that kind of stuff used to be only available to bigger enterprise companies. And it is now increasingly easy to do for the little guy. And it's also very, very valuable for you to do it too. So don't think like, oh, I don't know about maturation or segments or personalization, so I can't do it. It's, it is the kind of thing that if you start to pay attention to it, you can just learn a little bit more about how to, you know, group together different segments of your email list and send them content that's relevant to them. And you can see results, even if you don't necessarily have a huge list or a mature process or even everything hammered out. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. 
All right, so let's just recap how to effectively leverage email marketing. So first, define the role of email marketing. Email marketing generally plays one of three roles within your marketing stack, either lead generation, ushering or pulling people down the purchase funnel, or brand building. Second, choose a platform. Based on the objective you define, you need to choose a platform by which to host your email marketing. There are lots of choices out there, so this is an area you may need to do some testing and learning on. Third, be intentional in terms of content, tone, and style. Just like any other marketing channel, your email marketing should reflect your brand. You need to think about how to leverage your brand to make your emails the ones people look forward to opening. And finally, test and learn and optimize. Look at both your tangible and intangible KPIs to measure effectiveness. All right, moving on to our next segment, which is in the trenches. This is where we're going to give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application so all of you guys can digest and put into action. All right, our first in the trenches question. What if I am just starting out and I have no real email list? Is this for me? And if so, how do I get started? Kelsey, this one is a tee up for you. All yours. <laughs> well, I am so happy you asked me. I actually wrote a blog post last week on uh, 25 free or cheap ways to grow your email list, huh. even if you don't have an existing audience. Very so. timely. <laughs> Very timely for me. Okay. And so, you know, I talked to you guys about this first, and this is my favorite example. So I'm going to open with this. But if you do have, especially if you're a um, coffee shop or brewery or uh, a place where people hang out, but also if you have a storefront in general, if you have a place where people are going in to your store or even like an organization, you can actually set up your Wi-Fi to ask for the person's email in exchange for using your Wi-Fi. Mm. And I think this is the ultimate lead magnet hack because the person is already already knows you, is already probably bought from you, is already interested in you, and then you have their email. So I live in uh, Denver, Colorado, and there's a brewery here that does this particularly well, where when you go there, you know, they say, oh, you know, thanks for coming. Um, give us your email in exchange for Wi-Fi. And then on a weekly basis, they send out, you know, here's what's happening this week. These are the new beers. We're doing trivia on Tuesdays. We sell pizza now. And like, it's just the most amazing way to get people back into their business. And they are always busy. And so I just... I love that hack. And I feel like so many businesses don't even think about doing that. And they're already giving away Wi-Fi for free. So brewery, storefront, or even if you um, do an event, this, you know, obviously isn't free. It costs a little bit, but you can actually sponsor Wi-Fi for a local event mm -hmm. and do the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, smart. ask for the email in exchange, and then you can grow your email list that way. And so it's, it's a great way to capitalize, especially if you are looking for local customers or you know to get local recognition that's a that's a good way to do it um i've got a couple more suggestions facebook ads are a great way uh with a low budget to grow your email list you can really personalize them you can start um learning about your messaging and what people want to hear with literally like as low budget as like ten dollars a week we have um a somebody who works at a Weber, but who also has his own newsletter. And uh, he started advertising on Facebook um, ads and has been able to grow his list almost exclusively that way in a very, very mm. affordable way. So I highly recommend that. And it's not too techy or complicated either. Um, you can put a chat bot on your website. Chat bots, you can get them one for free. Um, 
actually my old uh, company that I used to work for is called Smith AI and they get give a free chat bot away that you basically program and you can, you know, program it to ask like, you know, are you interested in this or that? Um, how can, how can we contact you? When's the best way to contact you? Just like a little obvious chat bot on the website, but it collects an email address too. And you can put that into your email list and follow up that way. Uh, a couple of other good ones, um, leveraging YouTube. If you're interested in video at all, making sure that you get some videos up. Uh, YouTube's one of the best ways to do SEO. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm, have an episode mm-hmm. on that. Um, and making sure that you are doing everything you can to get people um, to sign up for your list from your YouTube account. Uh, you can actually, if you don't have a great audience already, um, you can actually hire an influencer who already has an audience and mm-hmm. have them uh, promote your service, promote your business. And one of the best ways to do that is instead of having them just say, go buy something from this business, especially if you're like B2B or you have some sort of a longer sales process, you can have them promote a webinar instead. And that way you're collecting those email addresses from the audience that that influencer already has. Now, obviously pick an influencer who works in the niche that you're targeting. Um, But if you do that, you can actually, you know, find somebody who it's, it's more niche and more affordable for your business. Um, podcast commercials. I don't know if you guys have sponsors, um, but mm-hmm. podcasts are a really, really great way to get in front of a niche audience as well. Um, and, you know, paying for podcast commercials can be a great way to grow your list. Um, and then cross promote with similar audiences. So if you, you know, if you are, say, a boutique um, and you sell clothing and you know another boutique owner who sells uh, skincare, that's probably a similar crossover in audiences partner with them and you promote your email list or your products or whatever to their audience and they can do the same thing to your audience and it's a great way to get in front of more new customers without necessarily you know having to have built up that audience on your social channel yourself um and then the last one is a couple of places online that just exist that where you can share content you already have or knowledge that you already have and grow your email list. And a couple of those options are SlideShare, um, which is a public place for you to share your Mm -hmm. um, slides basically, but it's discoverable. So you can put your email list in in the bottom of your listing there. Uh, Quora, answering questions on Quora can be a really great way for you to build up that audience. And also just your local listings, you know, Google My Business, Yelp, Apple Maps, all of those places are free listings that you can sign up for, especially if you're a service or local business. Um, And you can use those to uh, sign up people to your email list as well. Well, and I love that list one because it's mm-hmm. comprehensive and I would sure encourage really. everyone to go read the blog and get the rest of the list because I think that was maybe a third if I was counting correctly. Um, <laughs> but I think a couple of things that you said there that I find really interesting or counter, I think, to how people might think about it is getting people to opt in when they're already a captive audience. Like, mm-hmm. I love the brewery example. I'm actually going to tell a brewery that we help with tips from whether they like me like it or not I do all the time um, locally here <laughs> but I think that's a good one because I was just there last week doing some work and all I had to do was say that I was 21 or older to yeah. get on their wi-fi so I think that that's a really good tip and something that I think just isn't always 
top of mind for people as a way to do that. And I think similarly, where you talked about, you know, whether it's cross promotion or you're um, working to support or or promote or be the sponsor of something, asking people for their email address, I think, makes it really easy. And I think people do that somewhat passively, like, yeah, OK, and they just type it in. But it really can be a great way to be locating the right audience and getting them to the place of being a captive audience much more quickly than just arbitrarily asking for email addresses or not really having a process or a set of different ways in that you're focused on. Because I think the, the tips you gave get you closer to your actual customer or consumer than just trying to boil the ocean and get as many mm-hmm. email addresses as you can. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got another good example from... Um, we have lots of like sort of farmers markets in Colorado as well. And last fall, I went to one where it, there was a person selling candles and they had like a little, one of those little baby candles as a freebie in exchange for an email. Hmm. And they had a great follow-up campaign basically being like, you know, here's, here are our most popular candles. Here's the good ones that smell like fall. You know, it was fall or this is, this one's great for a gift. And I thought that was particularly genius because people forget so quickly after their captive audience, but if you can capture their email address and follow up with them, that's really how you'll get more of those sales in the long run. Yeah. I love that, which actually leads into Another question we have here, which is, do I need email marketing when I already have a strong presence on social, which I'm sure you get a ton. And I know, and we've talked about it before, that when you're trying to build community, it's really hard to build community on social because you are basically at the liberty of the algorithm. So Mark Zuckerberg decides if your content is good enough in order to share with all these people who've already opted in and said they want to you know, hear from you, but... He gets to decide somehow. So there is something very intently created by hosting a community outside of social that allows you, like you just said, to have those conversations, to have those follow ups and know that the content is actually getting to the people that you wanted to get to in, in the way that you intended for it to get to them. So. I think that is important. I know, Kelsey, you have more to say about that, but I'm also curious based on something you asked before, so I'll put this all together, which when you're saying um, working together the email list with social, do you have specific examples? I know you said the the person within your um, company who has his own newsletter, but if you can give some specific examples of what that actually looks like in order to um, for our listeners to kind of understand how to tangibly um, put that into action, that would be really fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm going to speak to your first point first. Uh, I really hate to break this to everyone, but Mark Zuckerberg does not care about your business. Yeah, (laughs) he cares about his own. He and and to further to the point, um, the algorithms are incentivized not to share your content with all of your followers because they can charge you to actually promote your company to your own followers. Right. Um, And that's something that I feel like everybody who, a lot of people who have big audiences on social sort of know that, but don't want to admit that. And because of that, that's really why you need to implement a email marketing strategy as well so that you can, you own your email audience. I mean, if you, if you have people signing up for your email list and you host that, you know, you, you're managing it in a platform like AWeber, AWeber doesn't own that list. You know, if you can just download it and take it somewhere else, you can, 
that list is basically data that you own. Um, and that's not true for Instagram. If your Instagram account gets shut down or if your TikTok account gets shut down or anything like that, which is very possible, mm-hmm. then your followers are just gone. And that's a really scary prospect if that's a large way that you're driving a lot of your business. So we have, um, you know, I've got some actionable advice for that, which is uh, basically have a link tree. So we have a lot of um, our customers offer our like sort of fitness people. So either they own a gym or they do online fitness courses or they are fitness coaches um, and they will have, so that those are the type of people that have a big audience on social media. It's really easy for them to get new followers on social media and they should. Social media is a huge, very, very valuable part of marketing your business and especially uh, having new people discover you organically without you having to pay for it. But what uh, a lot of our customers will do is they will create a sort of either checklist or a, you know, I'm going to put together a 30-day um course for you to do or challenge for you to do, right? Uh, It's highly specialized for this particular fitness style that we have. Sign up for the challenge for free in my link in bio, right? Mm -hmm. Put together a link tree or you can put together a landing page actually that looks similar to a link tree and get that challenge in there. Get that, um, again, we call it a lead magnet, but basically a freebie and tell people on your social channel about the freebie so that they'll sign up for your email list. Now, this is one of the hardest things to do and I'm not gonna discount that. Getting people from an Instagram follower to sign up to your email list, it's hard. But using that kind of lead magnet, showing them the value that they're going to get from your email versus your social, sometimes even just telling your audience that they aren't necessarily going to get all of your content via social media, but they will via email. So there's a cartoonist that I particularly like who um goes by the oatmeal i don't know if you've heard of this guy um but he's got funny little cartoons and then um his monetization tactic is he creates games and sells them so they're like fun games exploding kittens is made by him oh yeah, and, yeah. my daughter is an expert at that but she cheats <laughs> she's a cheater but she wins all the time <laughs> caveat of playing games with kids they tend to be cheaters sometimes oh, also fair she won't cuss um, but she'll cheat I love it. But anyway, this guy about, I think it was a couple months ago, went, I am so tired of these algorithms. And he went on this huge rampage on all of his platforms. He's on um, Instagram. I think he's on YouTube. He's on Facebook. um, And on across all of his platforms, he literally just started saying, not everybody is getting all of my content. Do you like my cute little cartoons that I draw? sign up for my email list and you'll get every single one of them every time I put on a new one. Mm. Now that's worked really well for him because he has this really valuable, interesting content. Um, Well, maybe not valuable, but entertaining, you know, content where it's like, well, I want to see all his newest cartoon. And uh, he was able to drive a bunch of people to his email list because of that. Now that might not be 
true for your business, but you can still make that ask, you know, and mm-hmm. your best followers, the people who really resonate with you be like, listen, I'm, I just want to make sure that you can always hear from me. So sign up for my email list for the sort of mid range followers. Here's a freebie mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, and then keep pushing it and make sure that you have a easy way for people to sign up for your email list as much as possible um, in, in your, you know, in your bio, in your Instagram, wherever it is that you're doing promotions. Um, And then another point to getting people to sign up or getting people on your email list is you can actually integrate once they're already customers. So if you make sales via PayPal, you can create an integration with your email marketing platform so that somebody who has purchased something from you already can be opted, you know, given the option to opt into your email list. And in that opt-in option, you can say, that you know you already bought something from us thank you so much mm-hmm. for being a customer through email you are going to get promo codes uh we'll tell you about our newest products that are coming out and you know we send fun gifts every friday or something like that yeah i, I think it so at the very beginning we made the point that this doesn't have to be too hard or too intensive and we've talked a lot about where it can get overwhelming but i think this sheds some light on something that i think is a very specific thing that people just take for granted, which is, well, everyone knows that if they're on social media, they're not getting everything. So why would I point that out? But I like the transparency of the reminder of, oh, hey, just, you know, so we're all on the same page here. Remember, you don't get it all if you don't sign up with me. And then the second part, we've talked a lot about the additional value, right? So making sure that once you have the person sign up, that you're coming through with what you promised, which is enough incentive for them to want to stay engaged and continue to open your emails and all of that. So I love the fitness example, too, because it it just translates, I think, really well of, oh, if I'm going to be in that challenge, for example, you know, I'm going to get the additional information or there's a reason for me to keep coming back and looking for more. That's, I think, an example of the right connection you want to make with people, especially, like you said, Kelsey, if they're already part of your audience and they're pretty engaged with you like you are with Oatmeal, which now I'm going to have to go check out mm-hmm. as an aside. <laughs> um, but I think it it is an easy thing to go and do, which I think highlights the points we've been making all throughout the episode of it doesn't have to be hard, but you have to add value and make sure you're talking to the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you are a small or medium-sized business, don't forget that people really care about you. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people really want to help out small businesses and especially the people who are following you. And don't forget to remind them like, hey, I'm not a 24-hour fitness. I'm not Domino's. I'm not this big corporation that has all of this budget and time to do this kind of stuff. And if you sign up for my email list, you can help me grow as a business. And that really, really resonates with people. So, you know, don't feel like you need to be too timid to ask the people who really like your business to help you out. Yeah, I like that. And I also like the element and kind of hit me as well of the FOMO that you're kind of playing out on of mm-hmm. like, don't you don't want to miss any of these things. And then people are like, what? I'm missing something. I don't want to miss something, you know. <laughs> totally. So it's like it's playing out from both sides. So I think that was really, really fantastic advice. 
All right. So our third and final end of trenches question is, what metrics do we recommend associated with email marketing so we know whether we are successful? And I said we're going to come back to this. So we'll hit this a little bit more specifically, but it's really important to really nail down what metrics are going to really showcase whether or not you're driving your business, right? So we talked about the fact that everything eventually leads to a sale. That's what you're in business for. It just depends on where that email marketing fits into that journey about if it's a direct sale or if it's more of an indirect sale. So you could probably want to looking at things that are very tangible, like we said, like open rates, click rates, subscription rate, or followship. Um, so this really kind of gets into p- if people are opting in, then reply rate, conversions, click-through rate, and also making sure that people are not unsubscribing and um, your bounce rate actually is another good one too. So that kind of gives you on both sides of the spectrum about whether or not people are continuing to engage or they're continuing to stay with you or are you kind of losing them someplace. But then there's like what I said the intangibles are, which is, you know, is it generating some attention for your other marketing channels like your website traffic or, again, referral business or, you know, closing more deals? So those are the things that you also need to look at to make sure that all of this is working in concert together. Because what we say, you know, is all your marketing channels working together kind of creates one plus one equals five. So if your email marketing is working in a silo, it's It should have a specific objective, but it should be working in concert with the rest of your marketing in order to make sure that it's all raising your brand and your business in a way that is going to actually grow your business. So, Kelsey, is there any other ones that you suggest people look at that are really, really important or that you've seen have been direct drivers of or indirect drivers of business? I think you covered it pretty well. Um, There are just a couple of specifics I want to go in on, which is I think that nowadays, as I said, after the Apple update that just happened, uh, click rates are more important than open rates. So Mm -hmm. pay attention to how many people are actually clicking on things in your email and, you know, try to focus your email so that somebody gets a lot of value from, from clicking on something in your email and, and, you know, sort of notice where it is that people are really paying attention and what it is that's driving them to click through and then putting together that tracking so that in as much as possible, you can see how that turned into a sale in the long run. Another thing I want you to pay attention to is complaints versus unsubscribes. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think unsubscribes are necessarily wrong. If you have one specific email where a bunch of people unsubscribed, you might want to dive in and see like, what did we do here that made everybody all of a sudden today want to unsubscribe from our list? Or if you see that number increasing, you might be doing that cadence a little bit too much, or you not might not be providing enough um, new value in each new email. So pay attention to that. And that's a way that you can sort of make some small adjustments to improve the way that you're sending emails out. But if you have too many complaints, which is basically somebody marking your email as spam, then that means that you actually need to make that unsubscribe um, more available. You need to make it Mm. easier for somebody to unsubscribe. That's something that's really, really important for what we call deliverability. And it's basically what Gmail and Apple Mail and Outlook, how much they trust your emails that you're sending. And the less that they trust you because of those spam complaints, the more that you'll go 
into, uh, you know, spam folders automatically, which is absolutely not what we want. So those are a couple kind of some negative metrics to look at, but sometimes it's good to, you know, pay attention for um, unsubscribes and the complaints to make sure that there's not one thing that you're doing or a couple things that you're doing that you could just make small adjustments on that make you a lot more successful in the long run. Yeah, and I think paying attention to what's happening in those different platforms is important. Um, One of the things that I've noticed recently in Gmail is if I haven't opened an email by someone in a while, it'll pop up at the top and say, it's been X amount of time since Mm -hmm. you opened something from them. Do you want to opt out? And so... It's well for me. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword because sometimes I'm like, yeah, why do I have that in the first place? But then other times I actually do click. So I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. But all of that to say that I think you do have to have some awareness of what updates are happening or or what can you be doing better, even if it's just small tweaks to the points we've been making, so that you're not harming yourself in the process of putting the email marketing out there or hindering what you're trying to do. Totally. And another tip that I have. Uh for things that you can do to get more people clicking on your emails is there is that promotions tab now, right? Mm -hmm. There's a tab where a lot of your promotions go. I also get those. Do you want to unsubscribe? And weirdly for me, I'm often like, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been a while since I've cared about that particular business, but I don't want to unsubscribe from them. Um, But one thing you can do, and this is especially important If you are one of those types of like the oatmeal or you're, you know, giving something where you want to, those people want to make sure that they're getting every single one of your emails and you can ask in that initial um, welcome email for a person to put your email address that you send from in their contacts. And if you do that, Mm -hmm. it'll be far, far, far more likely for your emails to go directly into their main inbox instead of in that promotions tab. Now, not everyone's going to do that, but most people don't know that that is how they're going to get your email specifically in their inbox. And so if you just mention that, like, hey, do you want to see every single one of my emails? Put me in your contacts. Um, That's a great way for you to increase some of those metrics. Yeah. And I think deliverability is a real thing too. And we know it because we just faced it that we sent out our first newsletter and we're me and April wondering why we didn't even get it. <laughs> so we're asking Laura, I'm like, how come we didn't get it? And then we found out Outlook has this blocker, like in the spam blocker and we don't have the right DNS code. And so there is um definitely a thing around that. So um yeah, definitely pay attention <laughs> when you're sending it out and double checking that. Yeah. Yeah. And don't be too scared of stuff like that too. If you do use a platform like AWeber, um it should help you. First of all, AWeber, AWeber or you know Mailchimp or any of those other ones come with their own authority that you get to sort of piggyback onto when you use the platform. Um, but also, will ha- will prompt you to set up your DNS properly, which seems scary, but it's actually very easy to do, and we can help you out with that. And then again, if you are having any problems like that, that's why that having that support on hand. You know, you might have, you guys might have been able to handle that in house because you've got experts who know how to deal with deliverability. But if you don't, on your team, working with an email service provider who can help you out to determine, oh, this is why you had such low rates on this, or this is why that went into the spam folder, spam filter. Let's 
you know, let us give you recommendations on what to do instead next time that can really help you um, avoid some pretty uh, bad situations from sending emails. Yeah, I second that because I did call our email provider um, and they couldn't do anything except for tell me what was wrong. So I, I, I second that having somebody who can help you facilitate some of those things that seem scary or it would be very, very helpful. Absolutely. All right. Our third and final segment, when we have a guest, we turn it over to them and we let them provide any closing thoughts. So Kelsey, I'd love for you to you know, put a bow around this. Anything that we haven't talked about that you want to mention, please you know, tell us a little bit more about your company. If that's what you want to do, tell us how to find you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this was a very comprehensive podcast. So I feel like we, <laughs> at least in terms of the basics, we really got to a lot of the stuff that I would have wanted to talk about. Um, one thing that I always like to say when somebody's listening to a podcast like this is there's no time that's too soon to start mm-hmm. email marketing. If you literally just started your business now, start collecting those email addresses now. If you have just started um, as a position, like a marketing manager, and you're taking on email, start learning your process, start taking a look at your onboarding campaign if you have one, or create one if you don't, start setting up some of these automations. And, you know, even if you have a really sophisticated system, you know, make sure that you're checking in on it every three months. This is really a channel that makes your business a lot of money. And if you are just starting out, you know, it might take a minute for you to be making a lot of money while you build up that customer base. But it's something that is weirdly increasing in popularity, even though email has been around for what, like 30 years now. Mm. (laughs) And, and you will be so happy in six months, no matter where you are in your process that you decided to um, pay attention to this and learn how it works and learn how to make it work for your business. And it's very hard and complicated and, you know, hard to do right. And so if you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this and I thought I should have been better at it, or I thought I should have been more experienced. That's okay. Just, you know, learn new things, test new things, keep trying new things, put together positioning documents, send emails, and you will get there and you'll be really happy that you took the time to focus on this. Um, if you do want to try a Weber, we have a free version for up to 500 subscribers. So if you are just getting started, that's a really great, great option for you. Um, if you already have an existing list and you want to migrate it over, um, go to go.aweber.com slash podcast. Um, and you get like a little promo code for your first month. Um, and you can also find us, um, anywhere on the web at aweber, um, and blog.aweber.com. You should be able to find my 25 ways to build your list, even if you don't have an existing audience blog post. Uh, If you want to talk to me personally, uh, the best way is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Kelsey Colorado. Feel Mm -hmm. free to follow me and shoot me a DM or um, reach out and I'd be happy to help you. But with the caveat that I'm good at strategy, but when it really comes down to solving problems, our customer support team just knows so much more than I do. They are unbelievable and incredible. And so they're the ones to reach out to if you want help with something like that. Well, I love that. And I chuckled a little bit because Kelsey, Colorado sounds like Carmen San Diego. So you sound like a superhero. <laughs> so I, I love the personal brand, like embracing that. So 
I love nerds, a nerd superhero. That sounds about right. (laughs) I think those are the best kinds of superheroes. (laughs) We need them. Awesome. So just to recap how to effectively leverage email marketing first to find the role of email marketing. Email marketing generally plays one of three roles within your marketing stack, either lead generation, ushering or pulling people down the purchase funnel or brand building. Second, choose a platform. Based on the objective to define, you need to choose a platform by which to host your email marketing. There are lots of choices out there, so this is an area you may need to do some testing and learning on. Call Kelsey at AWeber. That's the fastest way to uh, do choosing a platform. Be intentional in terms of content, tone, and style. Just like any other marketing channel, your email marketing should reflect your brand. However, you need to think about how to leverage your brand and make your emails the ones people look forward to opening. And finally, test and learn and optimize. Look at both your tangible and intangible KPIs and measure effectiveness. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.